Jonah chapter number one in our Bibles this morning. Jonah chapter number one. I do want to remind you, we will have Lord's Supper tonight. Normally we do it the first Sunday of the month. Um, but since we have a, had a guest speaker last week, uh, we moved it to this week. And so Lord's Supper will be served uh, tonight. On Sunday mornings, we've been looking at some messages to remind us of some of the basics of the Christian life and some of the challenges that we face. A number of weeks ago, we looked at a message entitled, and this really started our kind of mini-series, Help, Lord, This Isn't Working. And sometimes we find ourselves doing what we think God wants us to do. It doesn't work quite the way we think. And we looked at a message on Moses, and uh, he went before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh said, Who's the Lord that I should obey his voice? And we said, When it seems that things aren't working, we need to focus on God's control. Then we looked at a message entitled, Help, Lord, I Don't Like Waiting. You ever find yourself there? You're waiting on God to do something. We have promises in the Word of God that we can bank on. But sometimes God's timing is not ours. And when we find ourselves having to wait on the Lord, what do we do? Do what we're supposed to be doing. Stay faithful in doing what you know to be doing. God will show us the next step. We've got to keep doing the current step. Then we looked at a message, a third message, help Lord, I have a challenge witnessing. And sometimes this can be a challenge for us as we get out into the world. It can be, the world can be intimidating and uh, unsafe people can be intimidating. And uh, we challenged ourselves to focus on our relationship with God because really witnessing, telling people about the Lord flows from a vibrant, close relationship with the Lord. And uh, we see this in life. You find a sale, they're giving away stuff for, you know, cheap. You're going to call people. Hey, you got to go get, you got to go get. I bought 10 of them, you know. Uh, when the Lord is everything to us, we can't help but speak to things which we've seen and heard. Then we looked at a message from Matthew chapter number 6. Help, Lord, I can't stop worrying. Sometimes as Christians, I think it ebbs and flows. I think sometimes we can walk with the Lord and then some crisis comes our way and we can find ourselves thinking about that over and over and find ourselves worrying and God delivers us from that and maybe the worrying subsides some. I think there are probably some chronic worriers, even Christians that are chronic worriers and uh, we all need to focus on a God and to live for what matters and to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. I have two messages left before we shift into Christmas mode. One is going to be this morning that I want to preach a message entitled, Help, Lord, I'm not sure I'm willing. Help, Lord, I'm not sure I'm willing. Sometimes we say, are we saying, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. And then God says, I want you to do this. And we'll look at it this morning, and sometimes we can dig our heels in and say, I'm not going to do that. Not the best place to be in. And then lastly, next week, Sunday morning, we'll look at a message that I've entitled, Help, Lord. Now, again, we're looking at the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Help, Lord, I have a problem whining. We have a tendency to complain, don't we? Starting tonight and for the next three Sunday nights, well, actually, we'll be interrupted. Stephen will be with us next Sunday night. I want to preach three messages starting tonight on gratitude. And uh, we'll look at the call to gratitude tonight. We'll look at the key to gratitude in a couple weeks. 
And then the last Sunday, our first Sunday, I think it is in December, we'll look at hindrances to gratitude. All right, so there we've charted a course for you. Now we're in the book of Jonah, chapter number one. And I want to read just two verses, and then we'll have prayer. And we'll jump right into this message that I've entitled, Help, Lord, I'm not sure I'm willing. The Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. God says, Jonah, I need you to go to Nineveh. The Bible says in verse number 3, Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish. If you look at a map, you'll see that Nineveh and Tarshish are opposite directions. God says, hey, I want you to go this way, and I want you to preach to the people of Nineveh. And Jonah decides, hey, I'm going to get on a boat, and I'm going to go the total opposite direction that God wants me to go. I'm amazed. I saw that video yesterday. It came my way, and I thought, wow, what a powerful video, especially the letter in the diary that this individual wrote, and then he died, concerning his commitment to his country. I admire soldiers because at least the ones that I know or have known have a loyalty, a commitment to a country that you don't find anywhere else. It is amazing to me that a soldier can be so committed to a country and a Christian cannot be so committed to a God that loved them and sent his son to die on Calvary's cross for them. Sometimes we know what God once from us. Has God ever prompted you to change your music? Has God ever prompted you to change your friends? Has God ever prompted you to forgive someone? Has God ever prompted you to stop looking at something? Or to give something maybe that you didn't think you could do without? Has God ever prompted you to witness to someone? To pass out a tract to someone? You see, it's easy for us to look at the Word of God, to read the story here of Jonah, and to think, wow, that's terrible. I mean, God said, I need you to do this. That's awful. He went the opposite direction. And yet sometimes we forget that God will speak to us through His Word. God will speak to us through the power of His Spirit. Let me say it this way. Has God ever prompted you in a service where you knew you needed to pray, or you knew you needed to go forward and deal with something, and you stayed put and said no to God. You see, we can be hard on Jonah, and obviously we should be. He both plays did the opposite of what God did. But we need to remember this. There are times in our lives where we find ourselves tempted and actually sometimes where we say no to something we know God wants. I want to give you three reminders from this story. I want to have a word of prayer and ask the Lord to meet with us. Then I want to give you three keys to remember when it comes to this matter of an unwilling spirit. Lord, we love you today. Thank you for ministering to at least my heart through the singing of your people. 
and interacting with your people. Lord, what an encouragement it is to be in the house of God, around the people of God. And Lord, what a joy it is to gather around the word of God. And now, Lord, we ask that you would speak to us as only you can. Lord, I believe one of the greatest hindrances to revival is an unwilling spirit on the part of your people. Lord, you said if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves. Lord, I ask that you would speak to each heart here. You've put us together for such a time as this. Would you speak to hearts now, Lord, and would you be honored and glorified in everything that's said and done in Jesus' name? Amen. Number one, I want us to see that an unwilling spirit displeases God. It is a privilege, the Bible says, the word of the Lord in verse number one came unto Jonah. It is a privilege for the word of God to come to anyone. It is a privilege for anyone to be asked of God to do something. We live in a corporate world, corporate America, and sometimes people will get excited because the boss or the president or someone in the higher-ups will say to them, hey, I have a job that I need you to do. Imagine somebody that represents America. Imagine the president of the United States, whether you like him or don't like him, asked you to do a specific job that would impact America. We say, wow, that's a privilege. That's an awesome privilege to serve my country in this way. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. God wanted to use Jonah to be an agent of revival in Nineveh. God wanted to use Jonah. But the Bible says that Jonah rose up and he fled the opposite direction. He went to Tarshish. Notice verse number three. I find an interesting phrase the Bible says here in verse number three. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish. Look at the next few words. From the presence of the Lord. Look at verse number 10. And, of course, he went to Joppa, found a ship, going to Tarshish, paid the fare. Verse number 10, the Bible says, at the latter part of verse number 10, For the men knew that he, speaking of Jonah, fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. There's something about doing the will of God that is connected with the presence of God. I said to you last week that revival is really living in the awareness of God's presence. For you and me to walk in personal revival, we live each day in the awareness of the presence of God. God is with me. God is going before me. God will meet this need. God will take care of this challenge. The awareness of the presence of God is found in the center of God's will in doing what God wants us to do. One commentator said this concerning God's presence here. When someone turns away from the will of God for his life, then he is willfully putting himself out of God's presence. Now we know that God never leaves us nor forsakes us. We're not talking that the indwelling spirit of God that you received at salvation goes bye-bye. No, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And that's why I say there are times when we know, when we sense God is here. 
There are times in a service when we sense, and I can see it in your eyes, that the presence of God is here. There are times when you spend time with God in the Bible or you spend time in prayer when you sense the presence of God is here in a very real and a special way. That's what we're talking about here. That is found when a believer lives in the will of God. And so the commentator says this, someone who turns away from the will of God when he is willfully putting himself out of God's presence and denies himself the blessing which is attached to happy obedience. Our sins, in other words, put us outside of the favor and blessing of God. God's way of blessing for Jonah was in the east. Notice God's way of blessing for Jonah was in the east toward Nineveh, but Jonah went west and got into trouble. The east-west distinction is significant because it highlights the radical difference between God's way and and man's way. God knows what is best for us. Look at verse number 10. Jonah gives some indication. We'll talk about his time with uh, those in the boat in a minute, but here's what he says. Uh, here's what he says in verse number 9. Verse number 9, he says, I am a Hebrew. Jonah had the privileged relationship with God. Jonah said, I fear the God of heaven, Jehovah God, the God that created this world. I fear the one that made the sea and the dry land. Jonah had a privileged relationship with God. And by the way, some say, why did Jonah uh, say no? Some people believe because Jonah was, uh, Nineveh was a wicked place, and it was a wicked place. And they say that Jonah feared uh, uh, he feared he was intimidated. Uh, some people say that maybe he didn't want to be the only prophet in such a heathen city. I think we find the answer in chapter 4 and verse number 2. And I want you to turn there, chapter 4 and verse number 2. It's kind of a shocker, really, when you think about it. In chapter 4 and verse number 2, he says this. And he prayed to the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Do you know the reason why Jonah did not want to do what God wanted him to do is because Jonah knew the character of God that God was gracious and merciful and God would forgive the people of Nineveh and Jonah didn't want God to do that. They were bad people. By the way, it's the same character that God exercised in having grace and mercy upon Jonah when he was in the belly of the fish. You see, we often forget the grace and mercy of God bestowed to us. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And God, in his grace and mercy, can bestow love and forgiveness to whomever. You know, before we get hard on Jonah again, let me ask this question. What if Hitler had gotten saved before he died? Oh, 
What if the Hamas leader, you've heard the news and you see how bad things are over there and what they're doing to babies and how bad it is and it's wicked and really it's rooted in the devil. It really is. Only somebody that's influenced by the devil can commit such crazy, wicked, awful stuff that we don't even talk about publicly. What if somebody went over there? What if it was your assignment to go over there and find the Hamas leader and lead him to Christ? And you knew that God would forgive and cleanse. You see, it's easy for us to be hard on Jonah. I'm not justifying it. Jonah was wrong. Jonah knew the character of God. We think about it. I don't have time to go into it, but the whole Corrie ten Boon story when she was talking about the forgiveness of God and she watched a soldier mistreat her sister. And that memory struck in her heart and mind. And then that same soldier got forgiveness of God and walked down an aisle and stood in front of her and said, Hey, I need you to forgive me. You see, God is good. And God's way is best. By the way, don't let anybody tell you, hey, I've been too bad. God can't forgive me. That's a lie the devil wants you to believe. The Apostle Paul was a murderer. It displeases God when we're unwilling to do what God wants us to do. Because God knows what's best. The blessing for Jonah was in Nineveh, an agent of revival. Malachi 3 says this, prove me now. And see if I'll not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. Do you know what God's trying to do in your life? God's trying to get you in a place where he can open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. When I'm unwilling to do something that God wants me to do, God can't open the windows and pour us out a blessing because the blessing of God is found in the center, the willingness to do what God wants us to do. There's a lot of people that are having a rough road in life, not because of God, but because of the choices that they've made. You read the scripture, we look at the whole, the whole genre of scripture and we see the character of God. God wants to bless. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. God wants to bless us in ways that we can't even imagine. But he'll not open the windows of heaven. If the window's over here, we're going the opposite of what he wants us to do. An unwilling spirit displeases God. Number two, we're going to have to hurry. We're never going to get through this. Number two, I want you to see an unwilling spirit disturbs others. No man can do something without it affecting other people. Look at verse number four. In his love, by the way, God sends this great wind into the sea. There's a mighty tempest in the sea that the ship was like to be broken. The word mighty means intense, of great magnitude. Broken has the idea of broken in pieces to be rent violently. And this storm comes up, and the sailors, trained men, don't know how to respond. 
The Bible says in verse number 5, Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man for his God. They're fearful. They cast forth the wares that were in the ship and the sea to lighten it of them. Jonah was gone down to the sides of the ship and he was fast asleep. What do we see? We see fear. Again, they're not Christian people. They, they, they're afraid. They, somebody's uh, uh, hindered the gods. Their gods were gods that would act out of uh, uh, revenge. Hey, there was confusion. They didn't know what was going on. They see, cry out to your gods. Hey, there was loss. They cast out the wares from the ship. Uh, they feared for their lives. But not only that, verse number six, they, they, they wake up Jonah. What meanest thou, O sleeper, arise? Call upon thy God. If so be that God will think upon us and we perish not. He's got everybody crying out to their gods. Imagine what they must have felt when Jonah cast, they cast lots. And they realize this issue is Jonah. By the way, this matter of casting lots, you see it in the Old Testament. Um, uh, the Lord used that method uh, when people were sincere and people wanted to know his will, he often would use that to help them to see uh, what the issue was, and it falls on Jonah. And now Jonah says this, tell us the occupation, verse 8. He says, I'm a Hebrew, I serve the God of heaven, verse 10. Then the men were exceedingly afraid. Now they're even more afraid than they were. Why? Hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Do you know what? The unsaved men on the ship are asking him. Why would you, a servant of the God of heaven, the creator God of heaven, why would you not do what he has asked you to do? The one that controls the storm. You're a Hebrew. If you have a relationship with God, why would you not do what he wants you to do? And the whole ship is in turmoil because Jonah made a decision to do what God didn't want him to do. And we need to remember this. And I think sometimes we forget when we look at the story of Jonah, you and I cannot run from God. We'll see this in just a little bit. The decisions that we make in our lives will affect other people. You can't run from God and not affect your family. You can't run from God and it not affect your church. You know, one of the biggest challenges that I had as a youth pastor was trying to help parents to see that an unwillingness in your life to surrender to God, to do what God wants, will produce an unwillingness in the life of your children. Why should they serve God? Why should they read their Bible? Why should they be faithful to church? Why should they do what's right? Why should they obey the law if you're not doing it? You see, it's something that we often forget. We think that, hey, I can go do my thing, and it's not going to affect people in my life it will affect them. And people know what we say, but people know how we live. Your life, how you live, talks louder than your walk. I've talked to young people. I say, well, this music's bad. Why are you listening to this music? It's what my parents listen to. How do you help a child? 
How do you help a child that listens to the wrong music when their mom or dad listens to the wrong music? Do you tell them, well, your mom and dad are wrong? They're wicked? <laughs> How do you help them? The only thing you can do is say, well, yeah, uh, it doesn't matter what your parents listen to or your grandparents listen to. Here's what the Bible says. And sometimes children, young people, have to take big steps because of the gaps in their life because their parents are not surrendered to God in some area. Look, if we're going to look at the wrong things, it's going to affect the children. I've talked to individuals. How would you get into porn? My dad looked at it. You see, we don't think. Anybody else knows. The reality is it affects other people. Jonah is in the ship. The ship's about to crash. Everybody on the ship is like, what in the world is happening? His decision of unwillingness affected a whole boat of people. And I tell you this. You can't run from God and it's not going to affect other people. When you do wrong, it affects others. In John chapter 21, Peter had denied the Lord. You know the story. He denied him three times. In John chapter 21, Peter says to the other disciples, he said, I go a fishing. I'm going back to fishing. You know what those that were with him said? We also go with you. You know, an unwillingness displeases God. But I'm telling you this, it disturbs, it affects other people around you. And I'll tell you this, there are people that are counting on you. There are people that are looking up to you. There are people that are looking to you to stay faithful in the midst of a lot of people that are crumbling. There are churches. There are institutions. There are colleges that don't exist today that used to preach the word of God, and they don't exist anymore. The doors are shut. Somebody said, when Jesus comes, will he find us faithful? Number three, we need to move along. I was going to tell you about a story. I will tell you about a story, but I'm going to tell you real quick. Flight 1713, November 15, 1987. Reader's Digest report. Two pilots that should have checked the wings. The only plane that was going up are going to try to go up in bad weather. They should have checked the wings for the, uh, and de-iced the wings, and they were in the cockpit acting like two junior hires. And they both died, and a whole bunch of people on the plane because the plane barely didn't get up in the air. They affected other people. You see, our, our bad decisions affect other people. Number three, and we'll be finished, an unwilling spirit displaces you. The word displace is a word that means to remove from the usual or proper place, to move out of position. Where was Jonah supposed to be in Nineveh preaching the word of God? Where do we find Jonah? <laughs> in chapter number two, in the belly of a fish. The story could have ended this way. They threw Jonah overboard. The fish ate him, swallowed him. The end. Disobedient. Done. But it didn't end there. Because God's merciful and gracious. And by the way, I don't know that Jonah ever really does get it. God brings revival and he's complaining and says, I wish that I could die. Terrible. Terrible. Jonah shouldn't have been in the fish. He should have been preaching faithfully God's word. I tell you this, you can't hide from God. 
Psalm 139, 7 and 8. We know the psalm. We can't hide from the Lord. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend him into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. Numbers 32, 23 says, Be sure your sin will find you out. Not only find Jonah out, Jonah's shamed. Jonah's chastised by the Lord. Jonah chapter 2 and verse number 1, Jonah prays unto the Lord God out of his belly. He said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou hearest my voice. By the way, there's a tremendous verse there. He heard my voice. God heard Jonah. Jonah's in bad, bad way. Not because of God. Hey, God's trying to get his attention. Isn't it awesome that God, when we, when we go the wrong way, God does what he can. And sometimes he brings circumstances. Sometimes he brings people. Sometimes we just have to face the consequences of the decision that we made. And what's God trying to do? He's trying to get us to that place of blessing. He's trying to get us to where he can open the windows of heaven and pour us out a blessing. There's a lot of Christians that wander today because they're not willing to surrender to the Lord. I had my wife bring my trumpet up here. I was sitting there thinking, Tim mentioned the trumpet. I, I don't know how old I was, but this is going to sound really bad, but I think I've been playing this thing for close to 50 years. I mean, that's nuts. I can't be that old. Maybe I started when I was 27. I started in the third grade. Any third graders here? Third graders? How old is he? Eight. Maybe I was nine. Close to 50 years. This trumpet, whoever made this thing, I found out early on, and I don't want to keep you here longer, but I want to illustrate something here. I found out early on, this trumpet works when you use it the way it's supposed to. Do you know these valves here have to be oiled and uh, you got to put oil on these. They come out like this. supposed to come out like this. And you oil these valves. But do you know if you do not put this valve in exactly right and get the little click, when you try to blow a sound, it don't work. If this tuning slide is not pulled out correctly, you will not be in sync with the piano. And somebody will say, I don't know what was happening, but something was happening. <laughs> This trumpet is designed, by the way, I'll tell you this one other thing here too. Um, this right here, I have to make sure to put that on. This, this here, valve right here, yeah, that kind of lets out saliva. Mm -hmm. I know, kind of gross. You just want to make sure you push it and get it on your clothes. You know, just get it on the carpet and hope it dries, all right? <laughs> this works if we use it the way it was designed. Do you know life works when we do life the way God designed? God, Jesus said this, my meat, I live to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. You know, life is hard. I tell you that, there's a lot of challenges in life. But I tell you this, we make our lives a whole lot more difficult.
when we go the opposite of what God wants us to do. Jonah was in a fish and should have been preaching. A lot of God's people should be in church and they're sitting at home because somebody said something in church or did something in church and they got bitter and no, I'm not going to forgive them. I'm never going back. Marriage is split because one or both parties will dig their heels in and say, no, I'm not going to do it. And God says, hey, the blessing is here and they say, I'm going the opposite direction. Many Christians will never, ever know the joy of leading anybody to Jesus Christ. They're going to get to heaven and say, Lord, here I am. And their talent, what God gave them, they're going to say, it's just me. I didn't bring anybody else with me. It's just me. Because they dig their heels in and say, no, I'm not going to go on this. I'm not going to give up. Talk to that person. No, I'm not going to do that. An unwilling, and the list could go on with things that God says, hey, You need to do this. God longs to bless us. God longs to use us to see people saved. The issue sometimes, our willingness. We're not willing to say, I'm sorry. We're not willing to say, I need to change. It's the other guy. May God help us to be willing to put ourselves at the disposal of a God that loved us so much that sent his son to die on Calvary's cross for us.